Hi, I'm Adrian, and this is the podcast I'm Also, where I talk to people with multiple careers, pursuits, and interests. This episode is being recorded in Taichung, Taiwan, and my guest is Taichung-based American from Cincinnati, Matt Bronsel. In Taiwan, Matt is a Montessori teacher. He's also a ventriloquist, has started teaching a class in stand-up comedy, and a huge supporter of the basketball team, the Dreamers. Hello, Matt. Hello, good to be here. Okay, Matt. Um, so, how long have you been in Taiwan? I've been here for 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. I just started, you know, one year I got a, offered a job and I'm like, I'll go for a year. And then second year, it's like, it's easier to just resign my contract. And I've just been resigning the contracts ever since. <laughs> do, you, do you miss America? I do miss America. Um, I, I miss a lot about America. Um, I, 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 I miss like the whole neighborhood feel of it. You know, the neighborhoods and stuff. Here, everything's just kind of clumped together. I feel like I'm in a really big city, which I never grew up in. You know, I always grew up in the suburbs. So I miss America a lot. Um, I miss my family, but, you know, made a whole new life here. So I would miss it if I left here. Mm, like pavements, you probably miss pavements. I miss, I miss being able to walk on sidewalks. And, <laughs> it's the sidewalks, that's right. Yeah, sidewalks. yeah sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm American, guys. Yeah, I'm going to talk American sometimes. Might, I might have some problems. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sidewalks. Sidewalks. Yeah, I'm American, guys. I'm going to talk some American here today. <laughs> and you, you're a Montessori teacher. Yes. So how, how did you become one of those? Uh, well, there's uh, different training that you could take for it. Um, the two biggest organizations are AMI, which is the Association Montessori International that's based out of Italy. And then there's the American Montessori Society, which I went through. Um, and that's based out of America, but um, the training depends on, you could either take a summer intensive course and then have a long internship, or you could take it throughout the year on the weekends. I took mine throughout the year on the weekends and just uh, went for a whole year, every Saturday to class. And uh, then I had to go into the classroom and do an internship for a semester. And then you graduate. That's good. And uh, I guess what, what is involved in being a Montessori teacher? It's always like, you know, you're driving along, you see the sign. Montessori. Montessori. <laughs> you go, is that, that creative thing? I don't really know. I know the kids do something different to a normal school. Well, it's, it's funny because I get all kinds of, is that like the monk thing? You yeah. know, like monastery? I'm like, no, it's totally different from that. We're not raising monks. <laughs> um, in a Montessori classroom, uh, the, the children are each doing their own individual things. So the classroom is set up with different areas um, for them to work in. I'm talking about my age, three to six year olds. Um, there's a sensorial area where they're working on um, improving their, uh, their senses of sight and um, taste and sound. There's the uh, practical life area where they're learning actual practical life skills. Uh, we have language, we have math, uh, we have cultural subjects. So there are different materials and the children are going through and just on their own time, just choosing whatever materials they work with and I give presentations to them. What's a life, sk life skill you learn at three? Um, well, pouring, <laughs> spooning, uh, washing the table, washing hands, uh, cleaning the windows. Uh, I always joke that like, it's not really a Montessori school if there's no child labor happening <laughs> because the children are really in charge of take, you know, taking care of the classroom and uh, taking care of uh, cleaning up. And so it's uh, yeah, a lot of those skills that you need. And did you come over here wanting to teach? Yeah, oh, sorry. yeah. My parents are both 
retired Montessori teachers. And my mom helped set up a school here in Taiwan. Uh, that lady offered me a job for a year and I was like, I'll go for one year. And I've been here ever since. And um, what are the, what's the, the key benefits the kids get out of it? Uh, well, you get a lot of independence. Um, the parents notice that's happening a lot with the uh, children. A lot of the skills they do at school, they're taking over in the home. So parents will suddenly be like, oh, my kid it's, put his clothes away the other day. You know, So there's a good plug for the parents. He's so. washed the car. He's washed the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in Montessori. And I remember like I would beg my mom. I was like, let me vacuum and do the dishes. And I loved it. <laughs> I got out of that when I was a teenager. Um, it also yeah, it promotes independence. It really does promote creative thinking um, because uh, yeah, the, the materials are set up so they, if the child makes a mistake, they realize the mistake and then they have to try to figure out how to fix that mistake. Um, and so there were like so many times after I left Montessori, I'd be in you know, a regular school and I like, wouldn't understand something. I would just find different creative ways to learn about it. And what, what about the hard subjects like the maths, the English, the science? Yeah, yeah we're uh, 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 just looking at the three to six year olds. Like when someone goes into first grade, all my students can read by the time they're in first grade. Um, if if not only, you know, just consonant, vowel, consonant words and sentences, just they can most of them can just read books. Um, they can write really well. The math is really far advanced beyond what anyone, you know, like. I have students who are on paper alone now. They're six years old, but they're just doing, you know, four digit addition and subtraction and multiplication problems um, just on paper without any materials. So it's it the math is phenomenal. And the uh, the the language and the reading and writing just comes naturally to them. Yeah. Is it popular in Taiwan? Because traditionally the Taiwan education has been more of a um what do you call it? More of a... <laughs> yeah, a test-centered... Uh... Test-centered, <laughs> yeah. learn this, get the right answer. Yeah. Sit around and listen to the teacher, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's popular, but you also have to be careful because there's no one trademarking the Montessori name. Oh. You can't trademark it. You can't say, you know, this is Montessori, this isn't Montessori. In fact, I, uh, I got an ad in the mail one day for a Montessori dog school back when I was in America. <laughs> and it had like all the catchphrases like to help your dog become independent and um, you know, we'll teach your dog self-confidence and you know, all the things that they say about Montessori. Um, but anyone can just open up a school and call it Montessori. And there are a lot of places in Taiwan that even if their website looks great, it's just not the real thing. Why well, isn't it trademarked? You can't trademark. Uh, there, there was an attempt to do that back in the 1950s or 60s in America, but um, uh, it's it's basically someone's name and a philosophy, so you can't really trademark a philosophy. Didn't just divert. Yeah, yeah, Kylie, go ahead. Yeah. Kylie Jenner, she was trying to um, <laughs> trademark her name, and Kylie Minogue was against it because they both had the name going on. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. I just lowered your educational standard here quite a bit. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't kept up with the Jenners in a while. <laughs> I just read it in person. And, and you went to China. What was that? was that for some for some um, what are they called? We are uh, one of the schools I worked for has uh, a few schools in China, and uh, 
I went there first for the conference. Just, is the conference. Oh, you know, I have been for the <laughs> conference also. There's a there's a great Montessori conference in Shanghai every year, um, except this year and last year because of COVID. But uh, uh, I've been to that conference um, pretty much every year. They've had it except for one. I think I missed one year. Um, is it the same kind of principles? Not, not, there's not sort of regional differences. Yeah. Um, well, and the well, the nice thing is that the person who runs that conference, um, she studied at Xavier. She studied Montessori at Xavier University, uh, where my mom taught. So um, yeah, she was one of my for, you know my mom's former students. So the conference is pretty much a lot in line with what I think Montessori is also. Mm -hmm. One thing about China, they have these huge schools. Like our, the school I worked for, their school in China has 25 classrooms. Um, I don't know how many kids. It's, it's, and it's built around a bunch of mansions. And they're just kind of popping up schools left and right without as much quality. Like, there's just not a lot of quality to them sometimes. Is there a class ratio? Uh, it's a important thing, isn't it? Not yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what the school is there. Um, you know, one thing, a Montessori class almost functions more with more students than with less. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times you have the older, they're grouped by three years also. So a lot of times you have the older students, the six-year-olds teaching the three-year-olds something. Uh, or the three-year-olds will be watching the six-year-olds do something. Or really, if everyone's kind of working, then you don't have a whole lot of problems. <laughs> if there aren't a lot of students, many times the students want so much attention from the teacher that they're not really going off and doing their own thing and uh, working on their own. So it's actually, I found it easier with more students. Uh, my classroom now, it's uh, 20 students and we have two teachers. Uh, other classrooms I've had in Taiwan are a little bit bigger with up to 30 students with three teachers. Is that, is that English or English? Uh, well, yeah, that's, it's English and Chinese right now. So, so like Chinese in the morning and English? No, it's, it's just we're in the classroom together. Oh, it's, so. all, it's all go. Yeah, it's just full, yeah, full on for the whole thing. So you got the Chinese language teacher and you. And yeah, you working going, with, and yeah. And you're going English and they're going Chinese. That's quite that's Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, someone doing math, someone doing division could learn it from me in English and the other teacher in Chinese can fix your mistakes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And fix my mistakes. <laughs> cool. So they can go right to high school, can't they? People can. Yeah. Montessori goes through high school. Um, the school I'm at now has a junior high, which is really cool. Um, Montessori envisions a great place for adolescents to be on a farm and taking care of the whole farm. Um, and, you know, that way it like just kind of builds a community. Um, there, the adolescent, I'm not as well versed in the adolescent stuff, so I'm going to kind of say what I can and hopefully I don't mess anything up. But the, uh, you know, the, the needs of the adolescent, they're just starting to take on their role, um, in society. So they, they, Montessori's idea is really to build like this mini society where the children are working, um, together and, um, kind of learning all the skills that they'll need to go out and go into college in the workforce once they are 18. And that works, I guess? 
Yeah. <laughs> is your poster child at the moment? Who's your poster child for Montessori? For, for adolescence or uh, no, for, just, just, for just Montessori just, in general? Just got out of school, got a good job. <laughs> Well, you, well, we got the Google, the founders of Google. We always oh, brag about that one. Yeah. Montessori, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they claim that Montessori helped them dominate uh, the world. Yeah. Anne Frank went to Montessori. Um, she said she loved it in, somewhere in her diary. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, there's actually a list of famous Montessori people out there. And I don't I don't put too much stock in that because, I mean, that. that doesn't really matter to me you know <laughs> that's not what i'm looking for in my students but mm. um one of my friends built a website called montessorianswers.com and she just put me in that list of famous montessori people because i do ventriloquism and mm. stand up here in taiwan and improv comedy that segues nicely into that, that <laughs> yeah, area. we can just talk about that but now occasionally i'll see like a list of famous montessori people and i'm in it and i'm like right there with beyonce and <laughs> and um uh, who's a is a David Blaine, you know, the, the close up magic oh, yeah, guy, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So, so, so that, that whole creativity that helped you get into the sort of stand up ventriloquist, yeah, it, yeah, and you know, I, I did, I got into that when I was teaching in America. Um, I, I was an assistant teacher in a classroom, and in one month, I got strep, mono, bronchitis, some weird rash that the doctor was like, I don't know what this is from, but here's some ointment for it. You know, like, thanks, doc. Um, I was out of work for a month. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I was out of work for a month, and <clears throat> I just, uh, I was bored, and I saw a video of Jeff Dunham, uh, the ventriloquist. I was like, I bet I could do that. So I just Googled how to be a ventriloquist and bought a puppet, <laughs> brought it into class, and the kids loved it. So uh, that's kind of how I got into that. And uh, what's, do you, call it, do you call it your puppet or is it your, or is it your, like, your sidekick? So what's the terminology for it? <laughs> you know, the, the wooden ones are called dummies, yeah. but, you know, it's, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I just go with puppet. It's, you know, they're my puppets. And then that so, leads into stand-up as well. Yeah, well, I got, <laughs> I had the worst introduction to stand-up comedy i i was doing children's parties and having a great time doing it and you know think it was great and i went to a apartment of a friend of a friend and he had this great apartment downtown and he was like yeah you know it's at christmas my dad's going to have his he worked for cvs pharmacy he's gonna have his corporate you know he's gonna have his company's thing here you know his company's christmas party here and he's like, hey, but you, know, you do comedy? And I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, oh, can you come and do something with the puppets? Yeah, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I showed up. I was totally ready. I'd just written a bunch of horrible material. <laughs> and before the party, everyone's like, oh, this is the ventriloquists. And they're all excited, you know. I get up, I do my thing. It was the worst, <laughs> like, most awkward situation ever. If you think bad stand-up is awkward by itself, now picture bad stand-up when you're an adult holding a puppet. <laughs> you know, there's like no recovering from that. So uh, there's nowhere to hide. There's you? nowhere to hide, and I got done, and no one was talking to me. <laughs> it's like, so I was the awkward guy at the party all of a sudden. So I got, um, yeah, I just kind of left there. I uh, called my girlfriend at the time to complain about it, and she's like. Well, I've kind of been seeing someone else, so I, 
Like, someone funnier. <laughs> someone funnier. <laughs> like you heard about the party, didn't you? <laughs> so lost my girlfriend that day too. But I was like, I, I, I really wanted to learn. So like, I want to do this. I, I found um, the Funny Bone Comedy Club was doing a comedy class. So I just signed up for it. Um, I already knew I was coming to Taiwan. So signed up for it. And I think it was in February. And then in March, we had our show. And then uh, we, uh, yeah, and then I came to Taiwan. That was back in 2006. So there's a, uh, there's a place in Taichung, Ibru, and they do uh, open mic comedy, open mic stand-up comedy. And there's a group that does it almost every week. And I just, uh, I mentioned to the owner one time, I said, hey, what if I teach a stand-up comedy class here? And so um, put it together. Amazingly, none of the people, almost none of the people in the the, <laughs> the open mic group signed up, but I got a whole group of other people signed up for it. So the class is eight weeks long. On the seventh week, they do a live show um, in front of a full audience. Uh, our, our first show is actually on Saturday and it's sold out like immediately. Um, so they'll do a live show and then... We'll go back and watch the show and critique it. But they, uh, I try to get people to write about themselves more than just, uh, because a lot of people that try the open mic comedy and stuff, they're just looking for a funny joke. Mm. I really want people to write more about themselves and get that personal experience from it. Um, it's, it's, it's stand-up comedy is almost like therapy. (laughs) For a lot lot of people it is, isn't it? It is. I mean, not just for the audience, but for the, um, for the uh, for the people performing, you know, you're you're. I I, I tell people it's like a free uh, therapy session, you know, <laughs> when you get up there. You got to be more careful now, though, don't you, with jokes? Well, yeah. You don't, don't want to be videoed and then you're <laughs> was it you're cancelled? Yeah, you're cancelled. <laughs> yeah, no, I I. I guess that's all, but yeah, that's always been around. But like. Um, Oh, who's the guy? Uh, Little Miss Muffets. I can't think of his name right now. The really vulgar comedian back in the 80s. Uh, like, those have always been a niche market. You know, like, really, if you write about your own experience and your own self, unless you're personally repulsive, mm. uh, I, think, yeah, I think you're a little safer, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but there's always the uh, Kramer, you know, just going yeah. off on someone. Yeah. you got to be careful about that. <laughs> And you also do improv. I didn't mention that before as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, the improv group started in 2007, I think, here in Taichung. And I, I went from stand-up into improv going, oh, I should be the funniest one there. But yeah, it's, it's a whole different type of comedy. But yeah, stuff carries over. But you, What's the big difference? Yeah, The big difference with stand-up, you're on the stage by yourself. Um, and you're trying to make yourself look good. With improv, you're on the stage with a group and you're trying to make the group look good and usually trying to make other players look good so that the group looks good. So, yeah, I started doing improv and I was, I'd come up with funny lines, but it just didn't work as far as improv is supposed to work. So um, they they really had to hammer that out of me for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, you know, improv also really helps with stand-up, especially if you get someone in the audience who's just a pain in the butt and you know, is going way off your script and just being able to 
just come up with stuff immediately to you know address it. The hecklers, yeah, we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Please be nice. Actually, I, yeah, I, I have my I have my puppets. My dog Jazzy D is a you've seen him. He's he's just a grumpy old dog. He's got these sunglasses on and he just really hates everything about Taiwan. It's it's like I could. Like I said, comedy is therapy. It's like I took everything I hate about Taiwan and just let the dog say it. Well, I'm the guy who's trying to pretend, you know, I'm the straight man in the act, just trying to pretend like everything is rosy and peaches and cream, and he's pretty angry about everything. Although overall, we do love Taiwan. <laughs> we do. Oh, yeah, I love Taiwan. <laughs> but, you know, being able to cross the street safely would be an improvement over what I already love. <laughs> I do love Taiwan, and I do love dogs, but uh, come on, how many stray dogs can there be in one place? Maybe, maybe we'll just mention a couple of highlights, good things about Taiwan. I love Taiwan. All right, yeah. We'll just... Because now comedy, you're going into a negative rant, so, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. Right. We'll just, we'll just highlight a couple of positives for the listeners. Yeah, no, Taiwan is great. Um, actually, I think uh, to the listeners that you'll know, uh, Adrian did comedy as well. And we were in a comedy documentary, but uh, one of the things I don't know if it, I don't know if you put it in the documentary, but it was uh, there was the thing about uh, what do you love most about Taiwan, and you said, well, I love yeah you know, going to the doctor's cheap and paying taxes. <laughs> I guess I love paying taxes and going to the doctor in Taiwan. Um, realistically, I, I love teaching, and I don't think I would be able to teach in America. Uh, the, the the pay isn't enough. The cost of living is too high. Too many guns. Uh, yeah, yeah. Too many guns. Yeah. Even in the three to six year old classroom now, I. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do a. As long as I've been teaching twenty years, I still don't know how to do a live fire, you know, live ammunition drill in the classroom. I just don't know how to do it. Um, but it's it's, I don't know how the teachers I know, survive unless they have rich husbands or. I don't know how my parents survived. I mean, they, they were two teachers. Um, my, this is honest to God truth. Before this, I, well, a little lie. I'll, I'll tell you the lie afterwards. But honestly, God, my mom was a nun and my dad was a priest um, before they met and got married. But my dad wasn't really a priest. He was just studying to become a priest. But it's that's too much of a mouthful to just throw out there. So, so they had like no savings because they didn't own anything. Because the church owns everything you have, so uh, I don't know how they survived and how they retired being teachers. But they, I mean, they just worked hard. They saved their money up and they, you know, worked their butts off. I guess it's not a high-paying job in, in the states. It's it? not a high-paying job at all. No, but it, they also taught at the college. They also trained teachers at the college level, so that helps too. You know, the the college tends to pay a little more. And, and now we're reaching the part of the podcast, the bit we forgot to record. So we're just putting this bit in because we forgot to talk about it. Uh, we're now talking about Matt's passion, which is, well, one of his passions, I guess, basketball. <laughs> okay, so your team is, or our team now, isn't it? The Dreamers. It's our team now, man. I took you our to a team. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our team. The, the Dreamers. Always basketball, or is it just since you've been in Taiwan? You know, I, I, I didn't. I always loved ba- basketball was one of my least favorite sports. Okay. Like, um, I, I, I was not that into it. I, I really just got into it while I was here because it's, it's the sport that we have in Changhua. There's nothing else going on in Changhua. So, um, I, I really got into it there and just, uh, fell in love with it. So 
well, I've seen it. So there's a few imports and then there's local players, isn't there, in the league? Yeah, yeah. The team's allowed three uh, import players on their team. Only two can play per game. And then the fourth quarter, only one of them can play at a time. So um, the one person's always sitting out. Um, and then the rest of the team's made up of local Taiwanese players. And what's the standard of the of basketball, say, compared to the American big time? Well, <laughs> yeah, um, well, a few of the people, uh, they, well, they, you know, a, lot, a lot of them played in NCAA, even the Taiwanese players, but uh, um, a few of the players were playing in the uh, NBA G Leagues, which is really the developmental league to get them into the you know, NBA if they could go that far. But uh, it's sort of like the minor leagues of the NBA. Um, so the few of them have gotten that far. Um, we had, there was one one guy for the Shinju team who <laughs> played for the NBA, but we, we won't make fun of him. He wasn't that great. <laughs> he made it. Though. He, he made it. His first year. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, but I mean, there is a there is a huge difference between the top, you know, NBA players and pretty much the rest of the world. I mean, you're you're looking at the top one percent of the players if you get in the if you're playing in the NBA, especially full time. But uh, they're they're really good players. They're uh, they're all pros. They you know they played internationally and before coming here, a lot of them, and so they're uh, they're really good. Uh, one thing I noticed about sports in Taiwan, I went to a bas- I went to baseball recently, and um, the crowds are really supportive of their team, even when they're yes, playing yeah. bad badly. It doesn't seem, <laughs> apart from the foreigners in the crowd, it was it's all very supportive, which I had trouble yeah. dealing with when things were going wrong. <laughs> well, I'll get a lot of laughs from the people around me because I'll heckle the guy who's, you know, uh, like he's going up for a free throw and it gets quiet and he's not on my team. I'll sh- I, I shout stupid stuff sometimes like, you have fake arms or <laughs> something stupid like that. <laughs> Gets a few laughs from the audience around me, but I don't think the players here care about that. But um, one thing I do like about the uh, the P League, the basketball league that's here, um, unlike the you went to a baseball game in Taiwan, and they tend to have like company as the main as the main name of the you know like, but uh, the P League had sort of built their um, their 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 different teams based more off the city that it's based in. So I think the people gets a lot more uh, heated as far as who you're rooting for than the uh, than the baseball teams do. Is the number one sport basketball or baseball? I've always heard baseball's more popular. Yeah. Um, this year, though, the the P League has actually outsold baseball tickets, and so I guess it's up in the air as far as which one's more popular. Right uh, now, top two the, sports, uh, aren't they? For pop, just the crowds, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Maybe we'll get, we'll, we'll get one more. Go Dreamers! Go Dreamers! Go yeah. Dreamers! <laughs> but I'll say Mong Shang Jia. That's their team name in Chinese. You okay. say Jio. Are you ready? Okay. Mong Shang Jia. Jio. All right, there you go. You're already hey. a fan, man. Now we'll move on to plug a product. Yes. Where you get to promote something. You, you're doing or you like it's um, coming up. I'll I'll I'll, I'll plug. Uh, I, 
I'm still doing the, uh, I'm finishing up my first stand-up comedy class, but I'm going to keep doing those continually. Um, I'm, I'm going to start a group like st- uh, called Stand-Up Tai Chung. Oh, and nice. so um, start, uh, you know, I've, I've got somebody working on a logo now. So like nothing's set, but uh, quite yet, but probably before the podcast, I'll go ahead and at least make a Facebook page. So look yeah, for Stand Up Tai Chung. You've got a Facebook page yet. Uh, yeah, I'll make, a, I'll, I'll make a Facebook page for it. We'll put that in the details. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then uh, I'll, I'll be doing those uh, stand-up classes and trying to organize shows around here. So there's my plug. Okay. If you're in Taiwan, you want to learn stand-up, you're in Taichung, go see stand-up, stand-up Taichung. Stand-up Taichung, yeah. And the, and the details are below. Yes. And we if also, you want to get an education, go go to Montessori. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Can I also throw in a uh, check out Skits and Giggles? Our sure, improv what's, group. What's Skits and Yeah. That's that's our improv group um, here in Taichung now. So uh, we do mostly short form improv, which is just the three minute sketches you're used to from whose line is it anyway? <laughs> you know, it's interesting doing improv in Taiwan because you're used to a group of people doing something. Yeah, you know, the the improv group is used to people being here a long time but like in Taichung you'll have people in the group for like a year and then they leave and so like our, our group is always in flux as far as who's in the group and who's not people are like how many people are in your group I'm like well this week five you know last month ten you know so it's uh it's hard when people come and go but it is what it is mm-hmm. okay well it's probably in it there thank you Matt all right thank you so much that was great yes and uh, come have beer with us in Taichung if you're ever here. <laughs> so it's quite affordable. Yeah, it is actually. actually we'll, we'll pl- we'll, Another great thing about yeah. Taiwan. We'll plug where we are. Just yeah, we're at Salute Pizza. It's on Soho Street in Taichung. So the pizzas are very nice. The pizzas are really good. The beers, um, Orion beer, really good Okinawan beer. So and there you go. 